Hi, everyone. It's me, Sarah Ivry. I'm the host of Vox Tablet. And of course, that's the very podcast that you're listening to right now. It's possible because it's summer that you're listening to this podcast while you're on vacation. And on that chance that you're sitting there by the pool or the ocean and you're relaxing and all you want is to be entertained, today we've decided to bring you a story by Janice Earlbaum. Janice is the author of the memoir Girl Bomb, but many years ago she was an adolescent like you or I. In her case, she was an adolescent with a major crush on a classmate. He was a boy who was really nice to her at a time when most of her friends had decided to be very mean. This story is about what happened when Janice's allegiances to this boy were pitted against her own desire to regain legitimacy in the eyes of those mean girls. Here's Janice to tell you exactly what went down. I was lucky to be invited to Aaron Schwartz's bar mitzvah. I thought Aaron was the sweetest, most adorable boy in our eighth grade class. And while Jeremy Dix or Steve Lerner may have been more widely admired more cynical and cool and better at sports. It was Aaron I thought about at night with my pillow in my arms, Aaron, with his round cheeks and easy smile and his halo of curly hair. I used to see him sometimes on the First Avenue bus. I'd taken the Third Avenue bus for the past three years, but when Aaron Schwartz, who happened to live on first, dropped into our class at the beginning of the school year, I decided that it was just as expedient for me to take First Avenue, too. Aaron had been a stroke of luck for me since the minute he arrived. Here was someone new, someone who didn't yet know that I'd become the class loser, the butt of the joke. How this had happened, I didn't know. I'd had friends like everyone else until the middle of seventh grade when somebody told me that all the girls I'd misapplied makeup with and talked with on the phone were now publicly discussing what a weirdo I was. True. What a liar I was. Also true and how they should take pictures of me on the toilet, blow them up to poster size, and display them at the school dance. I swear to God this is true. But Aaron was new. And not only was he new, he was nice. Nice was a dumb word, I knew, but I didn't know how else to describe him. He didn't, like, rush to help old ladies with packages, though he would stand up for one on the bus. He wasn't especially thoughtful or kind in any describable manner. He was just not a mean jerk, and it seemed to come very naturally to him, the same way that being a mean jerk came naturally to so many other kids. When I showed up at the First Avenue bus stop, he didn't ask me, what are you doing here? What are you following me? The way a full three quarters of our class would have done. He said, oh, hey, and we engaged in an easy off and on conversation about nothing much until his stop on 77th Street. That's it. Nothing more ever happened between me and Aaron Schwartz. I continued to admire him. We exchanged pleasantries and brief conversation on the bus. In school, we didn't really interact, but when we did, it was normal. It was fine. Fine enough that one evening my mother got home from work and threw an envelope with my name on it on the kitchen table, a printed invitation to Aaron Schwartz's bar mitzvah. Well, wasn't this something? I knew not to read too much into it. Sometimes parents made their kids invite everyone from the class so nobody would feel excluded which is how I wound up going to the circus with 25 of my classmates for Benji Azadian's 12th birthday. But still, Aaron hadn't not invited me, and that was a kindness in itself. I wanted to get him a present that would show him that I appreciated him in a way that few of our callow classmates could match. We'd discussed arcade games on the bus, so I decided to get him $18 and quarters, 18 because I knew it was somehow linked to high or life, 
and all in quarters because that would make it fun. I wouldn't just be handing him 18 bucks for no reason. These were video game quarters, enough to stress the cotton seam of the front pocket of your jeans, enough to monopolize Defender at the arcade for days. I got the money, got it changed at the bank, poured all the quarters into a small box, and wrapped it in blue and white paper. When I got to the temple that afternoon, I saw that Aaron had invited a good number of our classmates. But of course, there was nothing not to like about Aaron. He had a lot of friends. I watched him greeting people at the other end of the party room, blushing as guys punched him in the arm, his white satin yarmulke riding atop his poof of hair. He looked happy. He looked like happy was his natural state. And just watching him made me feel like something good could happen today. There were probably 35 or 40 kids among the adults, some from our school and some from his old school on the Upper East Side. Everybody was dressed up and turned out. The clique of girls from my class to which I'd once thought I'd belonged was wearing string-strapped dresses and party makeup. I walked past the table they'd colonized, hoping to insert myself somehow, and overheard a plot to smoke cigarettes in the ladies' bathroom. Who has them? Hillary. She didn't tell anybody else, did she? No. Just me, you, Libby, Fiona, Rebecca, and Jennifer, and that guy, Aaron's friend from his old school. Ooh, a guy. And one that nobody knew? This was an extraordinary development. I had to hear more, but Fiona, a girl at whose house I regularly slept for the first two years of middle school, noticed me lurking and narrowed her eyes. At the end of the room where the DJ was set up, people were presenting Aaron with big boxes and little envelopes. My box of change felt relatively puny, but I sidled up to him, said congratulations, and handed him the gift. Thanks, he said. Then he heard the coins shift inside the box and grinned, his light hazel eyes looking right into mine. Is this quarters? Yeah, I said, for video games. Oh, wow, he said. That's so cool. Awesome. Thanks. And this is where I would love to end this story, with this lovely optimistic moment of connection I'd prefer to skip over the next few hours, the eternal question of chicken or fish, the opening of the presents, the electric slide, and the moment shortly after the cake was served when I saw five girls start to slip off to the bathroom with one seriously handsome, tall, broad-chested boy behind them. So there was no way I could miss this. Smoking, we'd all done, like way back in the sixth grade, but smoking in the ladies' room with a strange boy? This was going to be the next big anecdote, and if I could position myself near the action, I could claim later that I was there. I could pipe up and laugh along in the retelling, and I could use that to prove to myself that I had friends and things were okay. I hesitated for a few minutes, only out of fear of getting caught. It was the 1980s when people actually smoked in bathrooms, but if any adults caught a bunch of pre-teenagers smoking in there, I didn't know what might happen but I figured I might as well see for myself. I hurried to the bathroom, hoping I hadn't missed any of the action, but I had. As I swung the door open, I could see Aaron's friend with a cigarette in his mouth using a screwdriver to pry the tampon machine away from the wall. The girls around him were all hissing, Come on, hurry up. And as I stood there trying to grasp all this, the back of the machine was forced open and quarters rained down into outstretched hands pinging against the tile floor. And I was there. I can brag now that I was present when a bunch of kids looted the tampon machine at Aaron Schwartz's bar mitzvah. Because instead of saying, hey, stop, Aaron's parents are going to have to pay for that and he'll get in trouble. Instead of turning around at once and telling an adult, I stayed 
perversely mesmerized by the sound of the quarters, a sound that just an hour ago had made Aaron smile. The girls were stuffing quarters in their little satin purses, the boy putting handfuls in his pants. They were whispering, urgent and gleeful, Come on, come on, come on, let's go. If they noticed my presence, it didn't worry them. I wasn't going to tell on them or anything. I was just as culpable. If I'd joined the smokers earlier and been closer to the waterfall of coins, wouldn't I have stuck my hand in too? I couldn't say. Everyone hurried out of the bathroom, wild-eyed and flushing pink, me right there with the rest of them, in on things for a change. I left the party soon after, and I recall hearing of no consequences either that day or later, which I can't imagine. The kid ripped the tampon machine most of the way off the wall and stabbed the lock off the coin vault. At his friend's party. At likable, good guy Aaron Schwartz's bar mitzvah. I thought having no friends was bad. How could having friends suck even worse? I deserved what I got from everyone. I was full of strange, unhappy feelings, and it showed in every way. But Aaron was a mensch. If he wasn't safe, nobody was. And in this was a small piece of comfort. It didn't matter how you acted. You could be the least popular person in the class or the most liked. People would still abuse you. The world was unfair, but at least it was unfair to everyone. It wasn't just me, and it wasn't just Aaron, and it wasn't just you, in case you were still wondering. We are all in good company. That was Janice Earlbaum reading her story in good company. It was commissioned by Vox Tablet. Janice is the author of two memoirs, Girl Bomb and Have You Found Her? She's told other great stories on Vox Tablet. You can find them on our website, tabletmag.com. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Mm-hmm.